Now, yesterday we learned that the national carrier Qantas is going to close one of its two Darwin to London services and return it to Perth three weeks earlier than originally scheduled. So it is flight QF9 and 10 now going to depart from Perth instead of Darwin on May 23. They were previously scheduled to return to Perth from June 19. Joining me on the line to tell us a little bit more is the Minister for Tourism and also Health, Natasha Files. Good morning to you. Now, um, Minister, have we been used by Qantas? I think that uh, we grabbed an opportunity and we are certainly at the forefront of of Qantas' mind in terms of being a destination but also uh, a transit hub, you know, into Asia and as we've seen across into Europe now. So, um, you know, this is making the most of an opportunity but I think that, you know, we've seen the E190 base announced here and that provides a lot of opportunity for us. So we're committed to working with Qantas and Darwin International Airport to ensure that we can progress what has been an opportunity through COVID uh, into something into the future. Minister, we're just having a bit of an issue with your phone line there. It uh, it's it sounds like um, like something is covering you up. I don't know exactly what the go is, but hopefully we're able to um, to get it sorted. But once again, I believe we are joined on the line by the health minister. Let's hope a bit better this time. Good morning, minister. We're not having good use of technology lately, Wolfie. Sorry about that. All right, we can hear you now. Um, now, now, Minister, um, I, obviously we just discussed uh, this situation with Qantas, you know, winding back that London to Darwin or Darwin to London service. Are we still going to have a service that does go direct to London? So, Katie, this was an opportunity that COVID presented and uh, we had a lot of people within the Northern Territory Government and Darwin International Airport work extremely hard to make that happen. And it certainly put uh, the Territory and Darwin at the forefront of Qantas's mind. Uh, so this was an opportunity. We will see that flight uh, change back to Perth, but we're certainly working with Qantas into the future. We've seen the announcement of the E190 base. Uh, which is an, a wonderful opportunity for our region. So we'll keep working with Qantas. But so as of, so when does it end? Is it from, obviously they're winding it back now, um, but from June 19, is that it then? We no longer have that direct flight? That would be an operational question from Qantas, but my understanding is um, towards the end of May, we'll see um, that route uh, head back down to Perth. Uh, but as I just said, we'll keep working with Qantas around any opportunities and, and the agility the Territory's shown. And, and also a shout out to Darwin International Airport. Um, it was, you know, the team out there that also made this happen. All right. So um, so obviously uh, there is still the other hub that they're moving here. I, you know, I take on board what you're saying that we're going to be trying to work with Qantas to do it. But we just to confirm for our listeners, but we have we're, we're not going to be continuing the direct flight to London. Correct, Katie. Okay. Um, Let's talk about health funding. Now, yesterday you announced the government's plans to bolster the capacity at Royal Darwin Hospital as part of that $2 billion investment into health infrastructure and services across the Territory uh, for the budget, which is indeed being delivered next week. Um, What exactly is this going to enable? So the health budget is the largest single component of the Northern Territory government's budget, and we provide health care right across the Territory, 80 remote clinics, uh, six hospitals and so $2 billion ensuring uh, the health and care of Territorians and this is from primary health care uh, to those allied health support services right through to that acute care programs such as the Cyclotron coming online are all funded in this year's budget. Is it going to mean that you know that our wait lists for things like elective surgery are hopefully going to move more quickly? 
Absolutely. We're focused in, you know, COVID is, is still with it. And we have a number of people in hospital and I acknowledge our health staff that are working extremely hard caring for them. But this acknowledges those demand pressures and how we can work through providing that high quality care that Territorians deserve. Now, um, just again on that, uh, on, you know, on that topic of health, it does seem as though it's a bit of a decrease in funding for the health system uh, on last year, though, is it? Yeah, Katie, so it, it is important. Last year we had the Centre for National Resilience, um, $500 million approximately from the Commonwealth. That came through the health budget um, as a sub-agreement of the National Partnership Agreement. There was also other aspects to COVID that the Commonwealth Government funded. So uh, it's not a, a cut in any services, but it is a decrease in those overall numbers for the reasons I just outlined. Is it going to mean that we're going to, you know, that we're going to see cutbacks within the hospital? No, Katie, so I need to be very clear with Territorians. This is a decrease in that overall number. It's related to COVID and Centre for National Resilience costs that we saw in the last financial year, but it's not a decrease in any services. We're absolutely committed to the health and care of Territorians from you know remote communities right through to our acute hospitals. So with the, uh, with the Centre for National Resilience, what is happening with it now? Are we going to have continued funding in, or like is there going to be funding, any funding in the Northern Territory's budget for it, or are we just reliant on the federal government if we are going to keep it sort of operational? As we know, Howard Springs has provided an amazing opportunity. It's cared for Territorians, but it's provided repatriation for Territorians um, and Australians back home. Um, and also, um, it going forward, we'll look at with the Commonwealth um, how we can utilise that facility. Um, so it's anticipated from June 30 that um, it'll go to a different phase, um, but we would have the facility ready to stand up if we were to use it uh, or need to use it, I should say. And so what exactly will that phase be from June 30? Is it is it sort of shutting it down? So it would be exactly as I just said, that if we needed to utilise it and if we did need to utilise it fairly quickly, and when I say fairly quickly, sort of within a week or so, if we were to see a new variant, COVID's had many twists and turns and and things are looking promising presently, but if we were to see perhaps a new variant and we needed to quarantine people coming into Australia or we needed it for our use, we'd need to be able to stand the facility up uh, quickly. Uh, And so in terms of phase post June 30, we would accommodate that in it. Will it cost, I mean, how much is it going to cost the taxpayer to sort of keep it there ready to stand up at any moment? So in terms of, we're working with the Commonwealth to see what support um, they obviously have um, been able to utilise the facility. It's been a great working relationship. I think it's important that we um, are careful with taxpayer dollars, but we do need to, to spend something in terms of making sure that it can be stood up uh, but we don't want to be, you know, having services that aren't necessary out there. But so ultimately from June 30, we're not really going to have staff out there or anything? So that is what I anticipate uh, and we'll be able to provide further information as we get closer to that time frame. exactly who's out there, what's happening so Territorians can understand. When we received the facility from Impex a few years ago, um, there was sort of a care and maintenance program. Uh, so looking at what we did have, what it took to stand it up. There was quite a bit of work with plumbing, infrastructure, uh, pest control, for example. So what what do we need to maintain it to a point that we can then uh, stand that up, as I just pointed out, within that time frame of about a week if we were to see it um, needing to be utilised for COVID. All right, Minister, I do want to move along. Um, you and I have spoken at length about the alcohol legislation for communities. It's a topic which a lot of people seem to be pretty concerned about. We spoke to Marion Scrimjaw yesterday, Labor's candidate, Feline Ghiari. Uh, this is what she had to say on the show yesterday. 
but it might be a good idea to talk to Selena as the Attorney General um, about that Northern Territory legislation um, and what that process uh, will be going forward. But I will be uh, certainly advocating to the Northern Territory Government that we maintain those restrictions in those communities. We cannot have open slather into those communities, uh, Katie. We're seeing um, a lot of dysfunction and unrest that's happening. Minister, there does not seem to be, um, like there seems to be a lot of differing opinions in this space. Are you anticipating that these changes, well, that there's going to be changes needed to be made to this legislation before it's even debated? So, Katie, there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of views and, and the policy of, of alcohol is a difficult space. But we have, and as we've spoken about previously, the intervention and then Stronger Futures brought in Commonwealth legislation that restricted takeaway alcohol um, across the Northern Territory in town camps, outstations and communities. That ceases in July and so then essentially there will be no framework to restrict the supply of alcohol. What we're doing is we, within our legal capacity, is introducing the legislation that's, that's in the House and we anticipate it will pass in May that allows communities, outstations, town camps to opt in to remain yep. dry areas. And so we're doing that within our legal framework um, that doesn't um, intervene with the Northern Territory Racial Discrimination... Sorry, the Commonwealth Racial Discrimination Act or the Northern Territory Anti-Discrimination Act. So yep. this is complex policy area, but we are providing a mechanism. Some are criticising that mechanism, but it is a mechanism that we have to do that. Well, I mean, you've even got the likes of Marion Scrimgeour, obviously, who is part of of the Labor Party, saying that she's got serious concerns about this. She spoke to me on the show yesterday and said that she's also spoken to to the Attorney-General, Selena Rubo, about it. She's spoken to Chancey Paik about it and that, um, you know, that, that she's got serious concerns in this space. Do you have the support of your colleagues on this? Absolutely. So this legislation allows those areas to remain dry, the status quo, which many people are calling for post-July. If we were to do nothing in this space because the Commonwealth legislation ends, there would be no restrictions. So I know people are saying it's not ideal, it's not what we want, but within the legislative framework, this is all we can do. Well, Minister, I am going to have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we've got a very full hour. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you.